brand are experts in agriculture, covering your equipment, parts and service needs to help you succeed in your field. From behind the stumps to behind the mic, nothing gets past Smithy. This is Mornings with Ian Smith on SENZ. Morena, New Zealand. Yes, it is uh, Mornings with Ian Smith, courtesy of Brandt, your local John Deere equipment supplier, experts in all things agriculture, of course, and they have those beautiful green machines, the John Deere's. Uh, so uh, if you want uh, anything to do uh, with the agricultural side of things or you're uh, updating your machinery on the farm, go to Brandt, 17 branches throughout the North Island, and they'll be very apparent too at the field day starting um, on Wednesday at Mystery Creek. We will be talking to Justin Marshall. He's not sure, uh, Justin Marshall, I'm not sure he'll be at the field days, but uh, he will be watching the Super Rugby quarterfinals. He'll be commentating on at least one of them, maybe two, and uh, we shall talk to him about the prospects of that. 9.30, we're going to open up the lines and uh, give you a chance to uh, have predictions about Super Rugby this weekend um, and the Warriors as well. So uh, we'd love to hear from your call. It's uh, down to the nitty-gritty side of it in the rugby, isn't it? So... Love to hear your predictions on what you think over the weekend. Just after 10 o'clock, uh, Black Caps uh, coach Gary Stead on the New Zealand Cricket Central contracts, which have been offered uh, and have to be accepted by June the 12th. 10.40 this morning, uh, we'll be talking to Daniel McCarty on the Bulletin. Of course, uh, we know Daniel very well here on SCNZ. We'll take a look at uh, the cricket. Uh, we'll look at the Super Rugby Finals, the week that was in golf and what a week it has been off the course in particular. After 11 o'clock, David Mustard will be with us, of course, a former New Zealand tennis star, David Mustard, uh, these days. Uh, he's uh, still involved with the game, but we'll find out exactly what he's doing uh, and uh, how he's viewing the French Tennis Open down to finals weekend. Uh, just after uh, 11.30, we'll have a stump smithy. Uh, we shall do that because it's worth 100 bucks today, $100 for someone for the weekend. So make sure uh, you call us uh, around about then. Uh, sports Desk with Polaris and Louis Herman Watt, who's down there in Christchurch, of course. And uh, Logan Swinkles is uh, back on the desk today as well. So plenty of experience to take you through the morning. Sport is our religion. And here is Smithy Sermon. Well, the Super Rugby playoffs are upon us. And from 12, we are down to 8, which in itself always sparks in debate. And rightly so. I mean, how can teams with such a poor win-loss ratio throughout the season still be around? Well, they are. And in all likelihood, this may well be their last dance at this year's prom. The critical game is the last one in Canberra, the scene of so many classics where the Hurricanes, of course, visit the Brumbies. And on form, the locals by then will be Aussies' last chance of staying at all invested in this year's edition. The Canes triumph. What next for Hamish McLennan? Phil War and their thoughts moving forward with this competition. Phil War himself must lament the case of his beloved Waratahs. He gave blood, life and limb to the blue jersey and his bunch were a much more competitive and respected lot than the current crop who are puzzlingly bad at times and running out onto Eden Park again perhaps with a forlorn hope. The Aussie psyche is and always has been about winning, winning and winning. They don't just take part or make up the numbers except in this case they apparently do. It's quite a hopeless case, really. And for our boys, now's the time to stand up and stand out. Traditionally, this is the time when the all-black coaches, stroke selectors, get the old double-ended pencil out. You know the ones with the lead at one end and the rubber at the other? Because these are the battles, the one-on-ones with slightly elevated pressure levels that have Fozzie and Co. sitting just a little bit further forward on their perches. It's also the time 
when as a player you throw body and soul on the line and hope like hell you wake up with it all intact the next day. I'm predicting a Kiwi wash this weekend. The passports will be staying in the top drawer after tomorrow night and the plucky drawer will be the only success story the others can take solace in. How does the saying go? It's not the size of the dingo in the fight. It's the size of the fight in the dingo. Come on, Aussie. At least show some. Well, it seems just the way with Super Rugby these days. The season starts with a bang and a couple of New Zealand derbies light the competition's fire, but then there is a struggle to stay completely connected as its rested players and lopsided encounters take the stage. And that is until the finals roll around and though and, and the, in, the intensity once again shifts back to a standard of rugby that is some of the best in the world. And that all starts tonight, of course, and boy, does Super Rugby need the Waratahs and the Blues to produce a spectacle. The hosts... Uh, the Chiefs, uh, of course, uh, and the host, the, the champions, uh, play tomorrow against the, the Reds. Uh, that's the first game, followed by the Drua, and uh, they have to head to Christchurch in Anta- Antarctic-like conditions. And then, of course, uh, tomorrow night as well, it'll be pretty chilly in Canberra, where the Brumbies host the Hurricanes. And I, that, I think, is uh, the main course of the diet. Justin Marshall, uh, the country's best in-game analyst, without doubt, uh, does some great work with us too here on SENZ is with us this morning. Uh, Justin, good morning to you. Good morning, Smithy. Uh, good to hear from you, mate. And yeah, you're right. Isn't it a interesting weekend of Super Rugby? What will the Aussies throw up? That's what I want to know. Yeah, I want to know as well. But first of all, uh, I want to know your reaction to becoming um, one of the initial inductees into uh, the Hall of Fame. I would imagine, uh, Justin, quite an emotional afternoon for you. Yeah, absolutely it was, uh, Smithy. I was very humbled. I was very proud um, to be one of the inductees into the Hall of Fame. Uh, you know, obviously working in TV and doing a bit of corporate work, I'm pretty used to uh, being in front of audiences and being on the stage. Uh, but I must admit, when I went up onto that stage in Christchurch uh, to receive uh, the accolade, um, and I looked out across the room and saw faces present, past, crusaders, even from the foundation uh members in 1996 uh, and family being there as well um, I didn't cope very well I'll be perfectly honest uh, it, it was uh, like I said it was a very proud moment but equally the significance of it really came over me and uh, yeah I'm, I'm, I'm just very grateful to, to be part of such a, a, a an amazing club yeah it's cool it's really really cool um, and we congratulate you on that but of course as you mentioned you do a, a lot of work in terms of analysis and uh, commentary throughout the season. Overall, um, how have you rated to this point this super season? Yeah, it's been interesting, to be honest. I, I thought the first few rounds really dished us up some, some magnificent encounters. And, you know, with the law uh, variations, um, the ball in play a lot more, and, and the intent to speed up the game, um, I was really encouraged by the way that Super Rugby was trending. I just wonder whether or not, when you look at it, uh, we've kind of lost our way a little bit. There now seems to be more patience around the scrums, a little bit more patience around lineouts, where they're allowing teams to sort of take their time a bit more. Um, we haven't seen once a kicker um, um, run out of time. Um, so 
I just wonder the diligence that we were showing then, if we've just buttoned off a little bit, and so now we're sort of getting those pauses in the game that we're trying to extricate. But in general, look, it's, it is a, a right-hold battle when you get the New Zealand teams predominantly playing each other twice. Uh, I think what, what really struck a chord with me, Smithy, and maybe it's something we, we should look at uh, in the future, uh, is the only time that the Crusaders and Hurricanes played each other this season in Wellington was a belter of a game. It was the only time that they met. And I just wonder whether or not we need to dissipate the comp a bit that the contests become a one-off each year, either home or away, and it's all in. You don't get a second chance or a second crack at that team. Um, so that's sort of my general opinion of how it's unfolded. And then again, you've got every New Zealand team apart from the Highlanders in the finals. So the Aussies haven't really fronted, and unfortunately neither is Moana Pacifica. So, okay, so just say, for instance, uh, New Zealand teams win all four of these quarterfinals, and I'm predicting uh, they'll probably win the first three, and it'll be the Brumbies, Kane, sorting out the last one. Uh, what are you thinking, I mean, you know the psyche, too, of the Australian and their intellect, etc. Um, I just wonder what Hamish McLennan and uh, Phil War, who you uh, know pretty well, I'm sure, coming in in the CEO's role, will make of the future of their involvement. Yeah, it's a very good point. Smithy, and they, they must be looking at it thinking, you know, particularly in the last, you know, three or four years, the Australian teams have really struggled to compete. They, they have a massive issue over there with obviously the sports that they have to compete against. And then equally, they have, you know, um, some pretty powerful guys that are involved in the game, like Forrester down um, at the force, who can back a team um, and fund it. Uh, and then so he has the ability then to keep that team in the competition um, because my thought process is they, 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 they are a nation that needs to basically amalgamate their talent. Um, you know, they need to make stronger squads so that they've got better depth, uh, make them more competitive so that when an Australian team comes to New Zealand, you know that they're going to have the ability to win. Now, what that does when you're sitting at the very top, like McLean and, and, and War and Co., is it makes then that talent compete against each other internally in, say, three super teams. And when they have to compete, it makes a player better. He doesn't get a jersey just because there's not enough depth or there's not enough talent in that jersey. He has to work hard to get on the pitch in Super Rugby each week. So all of a sudden, everything gets better and stronger. And they become better internationally and they become more competitive at Super Rugby. Rightio, talking of being uh, competitive then, uh, Justin, let's look at these um, quarterfinals beginning tonight. Blues, Waratahs, uh, the Blues have, um, I think, uh, flattered to deceive at times. They haven't quite had the, the wonderful season they had last year going into the playoffs, but they're there. And, um, gee, Mark Talia's form has been amazing. Yeah, it has been. You're absolutely right. Like, all, the, the firepower that they've got throughout their side, they have... If I look at the Blues and break them down, they probably have the best amount of X-factor in their team, bar only the Chiefs, really, of individuals that can spark a game. It's just about them getting unity and consistency. you know. And they haven't really had that this year. Obviously, they've lost to Pilotu now in the middle row. They've had their issues in the back row, um, which are constantly changing. And around there, they were missing a Kiriwani for a long period of time. So they haven't really had a balance there. They've opted for Riccatelli now. Um, you know, so the front rows have been a bit disjointed. Barrett's been out a bit. 
Um, and then they've had their problems in the midfield with the 12, and they've opted on Bryce Heem. If you look at the rest of it, they're pretty consistent. Now, Peter Fett has been missing. So, look, all those names that I'm reeling off are all talented, aren't they? But they haven't had consistent combinations. Um, if they can start to find that from last week to this week and then going forward, they're, the team that, they're a team that's very, very capable. I expect, having looked at the Waratahs side, that the Waratahs will they'll formulate some resistance, but their current form has been pretty abysmal in losing last week just typified that. So I would imagine the Blues should win that reasonably comfortable. Chiefs, um, they'll th- look at last year's season and, and say, look, the Blues won everything. They won everything apart from uh, when they really needed to win it at the end. We're sitting in a sim- similar sort of situation here. Mm. We're the form horses, but, and I'm not sure the Reds have got the firepower to, to end their run here, but they've got to be wary. Yeah, the good thing for them is they won't be complacent, but you're, you're absolutely right. They've been the standout team of the competition, the most consistent. Uh, they beat the Crusaders twice. Uh, you know, that, 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 that's not an easy feat by any, by any team in the last decade. So to do that shows that they've got quality, they've got depth, and they've actually got a bit of resilience as well. Um, you know, that they can at times fight their way back from being behind and win games. That's what that's what really good teams do, have an off day and still win. The only blip in the radar was, ironically, the game against the Reds, where mm. I guess maybe they were a bit complacent. They made a few changes, but they really got caught with their pants down in that game. Good thing for them. You know, Clayton McMillan wouldn't have accepted that result. Uh, they won't be in that frame of mind again. But I expect them to go through all the way to the final um, and, and uh, host the final. Um, they're that good. And they showed their depth last week going to Perth, difficult place to go. Nothing on it for them and still came away with a comfortable win. That's a classy side. Right. Your uh, Crusaders, uh, of course, uh, hosting the Drua and uh, talk about um, repercussions after a first, uh, first up loss there. Uh, for the Drua, unfortunately, mm. they're going to go from 30-plus degrees in Lotoka to pretty much zero in, in uh, Christchurch. We know how they react to that from time to time. Uh, I think a bridge too far for them this time round, but a worthy season second up. Absolutely. You know, what a great story, a success story to, to make the eight um, and you know, have huge improvements from where they were. <coughs> Excuse me. And their, their set piece has come a long way. We've all always known they've got firepower. You know, going, going to the Crusaders is never easy. And, and, saying the, and saying the fact that, yes, it's going to be cold and 25 degrees off what they're used to, the Jew won't bother them because they're used to playing with a wet ball because of the other side uh, rather than Jew. It's obviously slippery with uh, sweat. So handling won't be a problem for them as long as they can put their thermals on Smithy. I think they'll be okay. Mm. It won't be conditions that are... They're way out of the stratosphere for them. But, you know, the Crusaders, again, um, you know, having lost to them, they'll be smarting from that. They would have learned a lot about how they played that day. Scott Robertson, he's too astute a coach to, to let that um, happen again. And, yes, still a great story. Let's hope we see a couple of classic Endure uh, tries uh, on Saturday night. And they really put up a, a decent fight. But I don't expect them to win. No, I don't either. I'm sorry. Um, but I don't quite know the outcome of the, the fourth and final quarter final. I really don't. I look, I've looked at this. I've studied the two sides. And I think to myself, this is the one up for grabs here. Um, vitally important for Australian rugby that Brumbies prosper. But the Hurricanes are that kind of team. You wouldn't put it past them. 
No, you wouldn't. So I can probably um, quite confidently guess that you haven't got this game in any of your multis for the weekend, Smithy. Um, neither would I, Cor- to be perfectly Cor- honest. <laughs> Correct. Uh, yeah, it's, yeah, thank you. Uh, it, it's a tough one, isn't it? Um, look, in my mind, the side that is in better form at the moment is the Hurricanes. Look, yes, they beat the Crusaders, but equally I thought they were pretty competitive against the Blues, given that they had all blacks out. Um, and the Brumbies have been on a steady decline. They really have. Uh, you know, they're, they're winning when they win. They're winning ugly. Uh, they're, they're massive fluctuations in the game where they drift off and they concede points. Um, you know, they're, they're not quite there at the moment. And they can't decide who their 10 is um, from week to week. And they, they, they fluff around with their nine as well between Lonigan and also Nick White. And the Lucys have been all over the shop. So I think the Hurricanes are a team in better form playing better rugby, and I expect them to win. Wow. Okay, big call. Rightio, let's uh, look at the nine jersey specifically because uh, in action, and I mentioned in the, the sermon that this is the time where traditionally the All Black selectors really sit up and take notice because these are the pressure games. Finlay Christie, the Blues. Brad Webber, the Chiefs. Cam Royguard. Um, looking at, uh, we're still looking at uh, probably Aaron Smith plus two, are we? Or do you think it's more defined than that? Oh, I think you're right. <clears throat> um, I absolutely think Aaron Smith, you know, obviously he's the incumbent, he'll be there. And Brad Weber and Finley Christie have been the lieutenants in the last couple of years. Uh, TJ Perianata, obviously we still haven't seen him. We don't know what uh, the conversations between him and the All Black selectors are um, and whether or not he'll be in the mix. But in my mind... We need a foil to the three that I've mentioned, which is Finley Christie, Brad Weber, and Aaron Smith. They have slight idiosyncrasies that are different in their games. Um, you know, I think Brad Weber's the best supporting nine in the country. Um, Aaron Smith, without doubt, is a Christmas passer, and Finley Christie's just more robust. He kind of, he just harasses, uh, and he's, he's got all the, all the skills of the other two. But the foil is the Takurbalo, the, the Pedernada, and Roy Gard the only other one in the country that does that is Takatava. But I think Roy Gard is just, he's surpassed him this year. He's, he challenges defenders. Um, you know, he, he has the ability um, to open a game uh, and, and to take on players like none of the other three. And I think he's, still, he's learning, but I think he's a better game driver at the moment than Takatava in terms of knowing the game better and playing in the right areas. So I feel we need a player like that in the All Blacks. To, to offer that point of difference to our attack and to challenge defenders and show the opposition something completely different in that jersey. Yeah, he's had a hell of a season. There's no doubt about that. So, uh, and just finally, uh, how how closed in terms of their thinking do you think uh, Ian Foster and Joe Smith and Co. Are, Jace Ryan? Do you think they're still pretty open-minded at this point of the season, or are they pretty much done? Happened to bump into them, and you'll know this well, Smithy, because you've been with me many times after the Crusaders-Hurricanes game. Uh, went to the Ridges Bar to have a cold beer and um, basically bo- break down the game and, and have a chat with uh, Nisbo. And, uh, we, we bumped into Ian Foster, actually, and uh, he was there with Jace Ryan and um, his selectors, and uh, we kind of asked him how it was going, and uh, he did say, yep, no, we're pretty much uh, there, we're, or we're getting there. There's not, not much that we... Um, have to fill spaces for now. So, yeah, they, they seem like they're a long way down the path uh, and pretty pretty uh, ready to select their team. There'll be the odd one that they're still looking at, but in general, he felt that they are in, in a good place. So that was really interesting. Yeah, it is interesting, which doesn't perhaps give 
Uh, too much hope to the, uh, the, I don't know, the Devon Flanders, uh, Braden Uasi type player who you would imagine are going to have to wait for the next campaign. Yeah, look, I, I would imagine that the nucleus is there. Um, he did say that they were allowed to take, I believe he said, now don't quote me because it was two, I was two beers in Smitty, um, 36 players for the rugby championship, which. Um, it, actually, it was only 36 or 34, it was definitely in the 30s, which gives them the, the ability to trial a few players because that's around about what you take for a Wilk. So, you know, maybe there's that option that they have got a big, bigger group of players that they're looking at and there's a pool of them that are sitting there in that little group of maybe six to eight um, that usually aren't in their mix that they are looking at footy and seeing how they front up when it comes to knockout rugby. Two beers in, that's pretty early in the evening. Yeah, 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 it was, back. <laughs> um, but it was, uh, it, it was, it was very, it was very interesting um, looking at the dynamics of the game, um, chatting to him, thinking about the All Blacks and, and realising, you know, how close we're getting to the pointy end of the season. You know, France come uh, September... Um, is going to come up very, very quickly. So, yeah, the rugby season very much is starting to, to wind up for us, which is very exciting with what we've got coming come September, October in France. Marshy, great to catch up with you. Uh, again, congratulations on um, uh, the Hall of Fame thing for the Crusaders. Absolutely brilliant. Uh, Thanks, have great buddy. calls this weekend, mate. We'll catch up again soon. Always a pleasure, buddy. Good to talk to you. Yeah, just uh, Justin Marshall with, with us, folks, with his thoughts on how he sees it uh, this weekend, and basically he's saying a Kiwi wash, like I am, nine twenty four. Talk back time with Smithy. Call now, oh eight hundred one five zero eight eleven. Right, uh, 9.31, yes, love to hear from you. Your predictions for the weekend, please. Uh, all the rugby that's uh, about to unfold and, of course, uh, the Warriors against uh, the Raiders. That will be special too. Uh, Dean, good morning to you. Yes, really interesting weekend, isn't it, to be brutally honest. I, I think um, tonight's game, the Blues should be too strong, but I can't help but feeling that they might have dropped the ball in the sense that Caleb's hurt. I would have loved to have seen them slip Rico back to 11, put Bryce Heen at 13. And if Harry Plummer's not going to get a crack at 12 for them, can he come play for the Hollanders next year? Because they, they need that exit play moving into the bigger games in the next two weeks. They're just, I don't know. Like they, To me, the Blues, they, they've got everything there, but on paper, that midfield's just not working. It hasn't worked all year. But you know as well as I do, they could be sublime once. And that's just going to annoy me. Because last year, they made the final unbeaten. But there are numerous games that they were very, very close. And they got some very lucky referee decisions that got them over the line. But I don't see anything that's improved from last year. And the other games, the Chiefs should be too strong. Crusaders, the Drew have done exceptionally well. They've proved why you want expensive teams or whatever that word is in the competition. And good on them. They've made, they would have put a line in the sand and said, if we can make the playoffs, we've done really, really well. If they learn from Saturday morning or afternoon's game, whenever it is that they're playing it, that, that, that'll be good for them for next year moving forward. And the Hurricanes, I just think, full pack, the Rumbies forwards are so damn good, but 
the Hurricanes, if they can play the way they did, and I haven't seen the lineup to be brutally honest, can you fill me in? Like, is the number eight plan or is Adi at number eight? I think if they stayed no, the same I way can... as they were. I can tell you actually uh, the uh, the Hurricanes lineup. Yeah, um, I can tell you that if you just um, hold the phone there, quarter for a second or two. Uh, the Hurricanes look like this: they've got Morby and Sinkinson, Proctor, Geordie, and uh, Naholo, Cameron, and Roy Gard in the backs. Now uh, the areas you're talking about: Braden USA stays at number eight, Adi Savier at seven, Flanders at six, then Delaney and Blackwell, Lox, Lomax, Coles, and Numia up front. So that's their lineup. I'd go 13 plus, man. I think that, that that number eight, he's ticking so many boxes of what we've been looking for for so long. So good on the next All Black coach picking players where they should be. And unfortunately, I think the Blues is the opposite. But I hope I'm wrong. Like, I want to see the Blues play well for New Zealand rugby's sake. But that midfield just doesn't work. And the wings are starved of quality ball. That's how I see it. Yeah. You make a very good point, too, about distribution of players. I think we've got to look a little bit more closely about that. I know some people are signed for their respective franchises for a while, for a while maybe one, two, even three years, but I think you make a very valid point there about the way we distri- distribute what we've got in this country. Well, Harry Plummer's a quality 10, but if he wants to play 12, we'd have him in the Highlanders tomorrow. Because with Umunga Jensen, that solves it problem for us, and we can put who I think will be the bolter in the World Cup, seeing Gilbert. If the NZRFU had invested the money in that lad that they did in RTS and Rico at 13, you'd have a superstar in the making. That kid's that good. He's got everything. He just needs the chance. And Hardman, Do how you know, good? How many minutes has Billy played? Yeah, yeah. Uh, Billy Harmon's been outstanding, uh, I mean, uh, but I don't see a way in for Billy Harmon. I, I'm sorry, but I don't see a a passage into the All Blacks for Billy Harmon um, with the current thinking and the current structure that they have. So uh, I, I just, I'm sorry, I, I think he's going to be the unlucky one on what he's put in this year. Dino, great to hear from you. Uh, thanks for those, uh, those balanced thoughts on uh, what you expect this weekend. John from Auckland. John, good morning to you, my old mate. Hey, morning, morning, buddy. Yeah, <clears throat> tough weekend uh, for NRL, I should say. Um, I'll just start with that. I think the Warriors, they're playing tonight, 8, eight o'clock. Um, so I'll be switching between that and the Blues game. But I think in terms of where the Warriors want to be and showcase to us, I think they need to win tonight. Just to submit that, probably number seven spot for me. Um, the Raiders are sixth at the moment, and they probably play quite similar footy. But in saying that, um, Chance Nickel Pockstart, he's looking like, He's just looking like a diamond in the rough, mate. And same as Sean Johnson, and I think this is time for them to prove that they can they can stay there in that eight. What do you think, Smithy? Well, I, I, I also um, am slightly encouraged by the performance of Metcalf as well. This is where I want this is where I want um, to see the Warriors because when I went and watched them live against the uh, the Broncos here in Napier. Uh, uh, the difference between the two sides for me was the playmaking and, the, you know, the, uh, I guess the flair around the, that six and seven jersey. It wasn't that apparent that night, to be honest, for the Warriors. Um, yeah. So that, to me, I think that's the point of difference, to be honest. Yeah, 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 yeah. No, you're totally right. And, and if he can kind of make it click tonight, then obviously the Warriors will go forward. But it, it all starts with our forward pack as well. You know, you've got to have that front foot ball from your props, your interchange, 
and that's something that they didn't happen that didn't happen against the Broncos. But it's a hard one for me. Um, you know, it's happening mm. in Canberra this weekend. They've got the Warriors and then they've got the Hurricanes the night after. Um, but just just quickly on the Super Rugby, uh, I totally agree with the last call of these. Um, the Blues haven't really shown their cards this year. Um, tonight they should. Um, it should be 20 plus against the Waratahs team that lost to the Moana Pacifica. Um, you know, and also the Crusaders. Full full credit to the Drua. Good on them, but they're going to get their you know, butt handed to them, unfortunately. And I can't see the Hurricanes losing that. I mean, they're a team that you absolutely don't want to play in the finals. And if they can get to Hamilton, because they will play the Chiefs, you know, I'd put a sneaky 25 bucks on them to beat the Chiefs in Hamilton, mate. I would. Okay, John, um, thank you very much for that. Um, I, I'm, I'm with you. I think that they have got the X, Y, and Z factor, the Hurricanes. They always have possessed that, uh, and that is what makes them dangerous. And that's why you're, that's the side that I always look forward to, uh, to watching um, on television or even watching live because you just don't quite know with the Hurricanes. And uh, I, I love that brand of rugby. I, I really do. And I think they are capable of going um, because the Brumbies, as Justin Marshall pointed out, have just tapered a wee bit, tapered off a wee bit uh, at the wrong time, perhaps, or maybe they're just keeping their powder dry for this last launch. We shall see. Zaid, g'day, Zaid. Uh, getting all the favourite callers through this morning. Zaid, good morning to you. Thank you. Um, I'll get onto the blues quickly, but did you see in the Titans last night? Old um, Api Corusa got his jaw broke. I mean, got his. Uh, Jaw, I think, uh, but broken because he got hammered by um, big old Tino Fasil Mal- Malawi. Um, a great game by the Titans. I think they had um, AJ Brimson back in and g- gave them back some spark that they've been missing the last few weeks. And they actually um, held on the second half. And I think they won the second half because they're actually the worstest team in second half in the whole of the NRL this year. But you kind of love the Titans. They're kind of like a Warriors, but. Maybe a bit of a better place, you know what I mean? Um, but they've always not, not really had that quite luck. I, I love, we love the Gold Coast. You go there for a good, um, good family holiday or a summer holiday. But it's just a, you know, great place. But getting on to tonight's game, can't wait for the Blues um, tonight. I'm obviously off, off to, to the game, you know, obviously big Blues fans. So I can't wait. I think it's great to see Tom Robinson starting in the locks with... Um, with uh, Tucker, and, you know, we've got so full off the bench to bring some impact. Um, great to see AJ Lamb, you know, get a start at the wing with Clark being out, but it's still, still a great replacement, and I'm, I'm looking forward to him being back, um, which means Plummer goes back to the bench. Obviously, the big big player to have back is um, Bowden Barrett. You know, we've got, um, if we can get through tonight, you know, with the Blues, players, they've got a few injury problems, and that's the Blues. Um, they haven't quite clicked, but there's three weeks uh, left if they want to click. And um, in the final, you know, they've got three weeks left. So it's go time now, and, it, and that's up to the Blues and Bowden Barrett to, to do what the Blues can do if they can get to their high standards. They've got Mark Lear, you know. They've got all the talent, but they've just got to sort it out. And, um, yeah, just Bowden Barrett, um, just not too many kicks. Um, you know, if you if you need a kick, then but it's not too many of these special kicks. I want to see the the Blues run the ball because it's not it's not even that wet today. So I just want the Blues to put the ball in their hand and just run and just 
hammer these Waratahs and be on the semi next weekend, please. Okay, so, yeah. Zade, uh, thanks very much for that. I totally agree with you. I think it's time for Bowden Barrett to take ownership, to take ownership of uh, this game tonight and perhaps this time of the season. For the Blues to prosper, he has to do that. We'll take a, a short break, and when we come back, uh, if Joey can hang on, we'll have a chat to him. Summer or winter, he's the voice of sport in Aotearoa. This is Mornings with Ian Smith on SENZ. 9.46, Joey's been really patient on the line. Joey, so thanks for waiting. Uh, what's your thoughts on the weekend, my friend? Yeah, no worries. Really beautiful day in Kanakin with Macarrow and Auckland, mate. Not out in the sky. I hope it's lovely down where you are. Um, yeah, look, I, I just think uh, if the Blues bring their, their A game, obviously they can beat anyone. But um, they've just been a little bit uh, clunky this year, you know, off and on. And, um, you know, they've, they've uh, as I said, you know, they're... They're just they're brilliant. They've got game breakers everywhere, you know, especially compared to all the other teams. But I think if you just take a, uh, to me, Smithy, if you take a multi um, with all the favourites this weekend, I think you'll probably you'll probably end up getting it. I can't see anyone coming out of it. Well, maybe the Hurricanes. I mean, I would take the Hurricanes over um, the Brumbies. That'll be a very, very tough game. But I think the rest just um, speak for themselves. And as for the Warriors... Very hard to win in Canberra, uh, especially with um, this guy's uh, 300th game, um, you know, uh, Croker. But um, the way the Warriors are playing, they, they, it'll be a lot closer than probably what, what people think. I know a lot of Warriors supporters you know, can think they can get up and win, and I think they can get up and win, to be honest. What about yourself? Yeah, look, I, I believe um, that uh, the Warriors can get up and win. I, I just, you know, the... They're so much uh, a different side on the road as they are at home as well this year. They're, they're just, I don't think they worry too much uh, about the venue as such. Sure, there'll be some sentiment for Croker, but to me, that's, that's an incentive for the Warriors to ruin the party. I mean, that's the way Australians think about our kind of milestones, and that's what we've got to do, start thinking about theirs. It's, we don't take a soft approach. We actually go out there to ruin it. Um, and, you know, that's always been the Australian psyche. There's no room for sentiment for them. So, look, I, I, I think we can use that. Um, and I also believe that the Warriors can get up and win, but they don't want to play catch-up uh, in that stadium. They want to stay, be there or thereabouts the whole time. Then I don't think they're going to come from behind against the Raiders uh, with that kind of passion involved. So that's it for me, uh, Joey, this weekend. Man, I hope you have a, a terrific weekend. I'm with you. The Blues are, the, the blues are that good um, at times. But the question is, is it that time? Uh, and that has always been the question with this particular uh, franchise as such. Interested to see that it looks like Vern Cotter has got um, the inside running for the Blues job. Vern Cotter, amazingly, uh, he's been travelling around the world uh, doing various uh, franchises and countries, etc. And uh, it looks like uh, he, at the moment, according to rumours, is uh, the leading candidate to take over for uh, the Blues next season from Leon McDonald. It's coming up to uh, 9.50 here on SCNZ. We shall take a short break, come back with a multi and uh, let you know what's coming up in the next hour. You got to know when the holder Know when the folder Smithy's multi Know when to walk away And know when to run Bet live on your favourite sports. Download the TAB app today. Rightio, let's uh, look at a multi for the weekend. And yes, I believe the Warriors will have success in Canberra, but they've also been given a four and a half point start. So uh, I'll take that. The Warriors plus 4.5 at $1.90. 
Uh, the Rabbitohs, I think, will convincingly beat the Dragons at a dollar forty-two. Hurricanes will go to Canberra, and I predict that they will beat the Brumbies at a dollar seventy-seven. And in uh, French rugby, La Rochelle to beat Bordeaux. Uh, I think that's a lay down, but uh, they're going to go at minus 12.5. They're a terrific side, La Rochelle, uh, coached, of course, by uh, Ronan O'Gara. Uh, a number of Kiwis uh, have been associated with uh, La Rochelle over the years, and uh, they will take that minus 12.5 start against Bordeaux and they'll win that there. So it's $1.85. Uh, the Warriors uh, plus uh, 4.5. The Rabbitohs um, to beat uh, the Dragons into the Hurricanes into La Rochelle minus 12.5. Uh, that multi's up at 8.83. Incidentally, uh, Ehia West, remember Ehia West from, from Blues, Hurricanes fame, uh, and uh, New Zealand Māori, um, my understanding is he has uh, just uh, completed a deal not that long ago to go back to La Rochelle. He's been at Toulon, but uh, yes, he's going to go to La Rochelle and team up again with uh, Tawira Barlow. So a Kiwi connection there for Ronan O'Gara to uh, look over the top and foster again. So good news for Ehia West. Brand are experts in agriculture, covering your equipment, parts and service needs to help you succeed in your field. From behind the stumps to behind the mic, nothing gets past Smithy. This is Mornings with Ian Smith on SENZ. Right, uh, we'll do, uh, trying to get hold of uh, Gary Stead, we'll uh, continue to do that. Just a, a review of uh, last night too at uh, the Cricket at the Oval. 469 Australia now, uh, the start of the day, 327 for three. And uh, for India to get the last seven wickets for basically 140 runs was quite an outstanding performance. It really was. Um, and, uh, you know, they really stepped up. Mahamish Siraj uh, picking up four wickets in the process. No wickets uh, for Jadeja, which was interesting. Uh, but then you uh, get into a situation um, where uh, India bat and uh, trying to bat for a long period of time and uh, the five for 151 after just 38 overs. So they're in trouble, big, big trouble here at the end of uh, day two. They need uh, something out of Rahani and Bharat, um, but uh, the top order, most of whom got starts, just could not carry on. So uh, that was a relatively poor batting performance. Sharma, 15, Gill, 13, Pajara, 14, Coley, 14. So no one uh, getting to 20 after getting those starts. And uh, Jadeja uh, promoted to bat at number six, 48 from uh, 51 deliveries. So... It was uh, exciting, but it needed to be a, a lot longer from India's point of view. Um, and Alex Carey uh, contributed with the, the bat yesterday. Alex Carey, um, he went on to make a 48, and uh, at the end of the day, he had this to say. Alex Carey, thanks for speaking to SEN Test Cricket. Uh, that was a pretty good day for you guys. Yeah, it was. We obviously set a pretty nice platform overnight in um, Smith and Hetty. Uh, fantastic to see Smudge get those five runs really early in the day and uh, I think it's his 31st Test 100 for Australia and um, pretty impressive again but like I said those two were fantastic yesterday um, and then we were able to get to a total which was I think pretty pretty solid on this wicket um, we've seen it sort of go through the surface a little bit and, and a few shoot lows so um, with five wickets overnight I think we're in a, a good position if we rock up tomorrow and put the ball in the right area and when you walked out to bat, uh, Alex, a couple of wickets fall. Uh, it didn't look like you guys were in any hurry to just pick up the scoring. You're happy to spend time out there, maybe let the pitch deteriorate and like make the most of the best batting conditions? Yeah, we were looking at that over 450 score to be a, a good target um, from where we were. And 
um, yeah, it wasn't easy to go out and, and score freely like we saw um, yesterday, but we were able to hang in there and um, eventually, you know, get our, our total that we were after. Um, the tail, you know, snuck in there with a few and Look, I think it's a good score. Obviously, we, we've got to come back tomorrow and put the ball in the right areas. We see some highlights on the TV. Um, there's enough there for the quicks. Uh, and it, it looked like there was a conscious decision made by the bowlers to uh, sort of attack the stumps more. I mean, you, the Australian bowlers are a lot straighter than what, what, what we saw from the Indians. Uh, you, did, did you see that as well? Yeah, I think Scotty and that's his blueprint. Um, and then Paddy obviously bowls uh, quite a heavy ball, so some will shoot through and, and some will um, bounce a bit more. Um, Starkey, his, his aggressive nature at the stumps, that left arm in swing, and um, Greeny was fantastic as well, and, and Gaz. So all our bowlers took one. It's nice to have them all into the game. Um, but, yeah, we, you know, if we're, if we're playing on a wicker that um, is a little bit up and down, then if we keep the stumps in play, um, we should be in the game. And that, that delivery to Virat Kohli, yes, it was Virat Kohli's wicket, the big wicket, but also how that ball just reared up at uh, him. Was, was that the kind of delivery which kind of convinces you that, look, we've got a lot of runs on that table, we just need to keep putting it on there? Yeah, I think we saw a little bit um, through our innings in the back end that there was balls that were uh, busting through a little bit. So, um, yeah, our quicks charge in, they, they bash the wicket as do the Indian quicks and whatever there is, they'll try to get out of it and, and hopefully it does deteriorate a bit more. Um, but yeah, that was one of Starkey's yeah, run-in bowl fast. It gripped the seam, and um, yeah, we'll, we'll wait and see how it plays out. The sun will be out, so it might um, start to dry up a little bit more too. And just first time keeping in uh, England, the ball does do a lot after it passes the stumps, right? Well, how did that go? Uh, did, did it take a while for you to get used to it? Yeah, it's probably something that's spoken about a lot. Is that that ball once it? Um, I guess the lacquer wears off, it'll start to wobble around and, and make it a little bit difficult for us behind the stumps. But um, I think Bright did a fantastic job for India. Um, and there's going to be yeah, a, a bit of sore fingers throughout the, uh, the series. And finally, are you expecting a message from the wife about the reverse sweep again? Yeah, I might put that one away. <laughs> <laughs> Thanks, Alex. Go well tomorrow. Cheers. Tough. Okay, Alex Carey there, and of course that, that is uh, the World Test Championship being played at the Oval. Of course, uh, we hold still the mace. Um, uh, we won't for very shortly, but we still do. Uh, but there is uh, important cricket business happening here as well, and uh, yesterday uh, the New Zealand Cricket uh, Central Contacts list, uh, contracts list was officially announced with 22 of our top Black Caps awarded contracts uh, for the next season ahead, or offered contracts as well. Ajaz Patel was a notable admission after barely playing in the last cycle whilst Adam Milnes recalls signals. An extended period of health for the quick and also reflects the heavy diet of white ball cricket on the agenda. Gary Stead, head coach for the Black Caps, uh, very instrumental in those contracts as well, joins us uh, this morning. Uh, Steady, good morning to you. Yeah, good morning, Smithy. Right, uh, just uh, for those people who are a little bit uninitiated uh, about um, the contracts, etc., tell us how you get uh, the contracts and, and how you break them down as such in terms of the rankings. For instance, um, are they uh, done on what has been achieved or what you expect in terms of how you're going to use your players going forward? Yeah, that, that's a great question because it's a little bit of both, but, but it's really looking at the future value and how we see... I guess the team's being played out in, in the next 12-month cycle. So, of course, uh, past performances always come into it. That's, uh, I guess, a, a reflector of what might happen in, in the future. But it's really a point system that gets divvied up across 
uh, three formats. We ranked 25 players or down to 25 players in each format and then the points work it out and it, and it becomes really a mathematical thing of where you sit on the, in the order then. Okay, right. Uh, that makes it uh, pretty crystal clear in that regard. Of course, uh, these days, um, when they first came out, uh, players jumped at them and thought that's fantastic. It's the way to go to get a, uh, a nice secure base to operate from financially. Of course, Steady, we've seen in the last uh, couple of years that not always be the case. So these are contracts that are offered and they have an acceptance date? Yeah, they have one week to accept. Um, but you, you hope that the, some of the conversations we've ha- been having with the players that we're reasonably sure on, and on most cases there that, that guys will accept the contracts. Um, but of course, really, as you, I think, alluding to there, there are, there are certainly other... Um, there's a shifting landscape, I guess, of, of world cricket at the moment and, and the IPL teams seem to be making like a big play in a number of other... Uh, competitions around the world and it's certainly attractive to to players to look at other options as well and that's one of the considerations I think every single person needs to consider when they look at the contracts. One of which of course uh, probably our most high profile one in the last 12 to 24 months or so has been the Trent Bolt situation. Uh, We're reading and hearing that uh, he has been offered like a casual playing agreement as such. We don't need to know the numbers but what does that effectively mean? Uh, well, it really, it, it, I guess with Trent, he, he was initially offered a contract but declined it, and, and that's his prerogative to do so. But he's also made it clear to us that he does have an interest to play for New Zealand still. Um, and so if that was the case and and, and, uh, and he gets a casual playing contract, it, it basically just puts some parameters in place that we both, uh, both will have to, uh, I guess, agree to that keeps him ready and fit for selection and... And then, that, then it becomes a two-way conversation between Trent and, and New Zealand cricket around what he is available for and, and how that lines up. So there are ongoing discussions that are having at the moment. Uh, we don't know all the dates of uh, the leagues and, and certainly the, the um, international season hasn't completely been put out yet. So we're just waiting on some of those things to be able to finalise them. Would we uh, ever see him um, in, in Test cricket again? Uh, you know, we, we're kind of, a, again, monitoring headlines where it doesn't look that way. Is, has he ever spoken about uh, the possibilities of Red Bull? Yeah, we're speaking about that uh, at the moment. And, and look, whilst I don't know what that answer is just yet, we, we have six tests coming up soon. Um, I, I think Trent may be available for some, and then that, that's a decision that we have to make of how that fits in overall with, um, where we're going as a team and, and, and the benefits of Trent Bolt being, being back in white for us as well. So it's, uh, it's not as, just as easy I, he, as he's, he's, uh, he's available. Now let's select him straight away because that actually has an impact on, on other people within the group as well. So it's just working through those issues and, and hopefully coming to, uh, to a, a conclusion, I guess, in time that, that works for everyone. I was watching a couple of days ago some highlights of uh, the World Test Championship that we did win at uh, Southampton, uh, and uh, Cole Jamison's performance in that Test match was um, was indicative of just what we're missing when he's fully fit. I noticed that he's uh, on the list to get a, a full contract. Uh, tell us where Cole Jamison is at. Uh, yeah, well, Kyle had back surgery, um, and he's he's back into very well low, still low levels, but he's progressing well. So. 
the plan with for Kyle is when we start our tours again in, in mid August is that he will be available and fully fit to be to be selected in everything. So the surgery's been successful on a number of other players in the past and we hope with Kyle that he has no further issues with his back. Uh, we heard uh, from Wags, which was uh, pretty cool to chat to him the other day, and he's he was saying that uh, Kane's Kane's come through surgery pretty well and and uh, already into a bit of rehab. Yeah, yeah, he is, um, and we're delighted with how he's progressing. It's still, uh, I think, uh, I think I'd term it probably a long shot um, for him to be available for a World Cup at this stage. I mean, there is a reasonably strict uh, rehab regime, and and the dangers of pushing too early and re-rupturing the the ligament is still there so it's a it's a i guess a case smithy of trying to push as hard as we can without without breaking anything again because we know his value and, and what a what a great leader and great great batsman he's been for new zealand for a long long time now oh, i think every time we talk to you um gary we talk about the spin situation three spinners in the group uh bracewell santner and sodi as such um, and of course, uh, we get the uh, always get the predictable uh, texts coming in about uh, no ages this time around. Yeah, I mean the the way it unfortunately worked out for ages is he, he just didn't pick up enough points, and I guess we're, we're predominantly looking at him in, in Test cricket, and um, I guess we've had a reasonably uh, successful period over the last six to eight years at home, and, and spin hasn't played a huge part in that. Um, but we also know Ajaz's value of when he does get get the ball, and especially in overseas um, conditions. And uh, so I still imagine that Ajaz will play a part for us. It just just means at this stage he wasn't wasn't centrally contracted. Adam Milne, uh, I for, I forgot just how long he's been around the scene. Coming up thirteen years, he debuted back in two thousand and ten, uh, but it appears um, you've put him on the list, uh, and he's going to be pretty fully involved. Yeah, well, Adams, uh, I guess, played a little bit more of a part this this past sort of six months with us. Um, We've been really pleased, uh, I think, with the resilience that he's shown. Uh, He's a guy, when you you do get up around that high 140s to 150 mark, the the chances of the body, I guess, breaking is is higher. Um, I think it's a little bit like being an open side flanker going into those tackles all the time. You, You just put your body at more risk, perhaps, of... Of what others do, and um, but it's been great to see Adam come through that. He's had a pretty wretched time um, with injuries over over quite a long period of time now, but hopefully he's reached that age and stage with his body that he understands it and and can get through certainly white ball cricket for us in the future. All right, okay. Um, now the the other question in terms of uh, current form, etc., but hard to gauge on a number of players because whilst they were floating around the IPL. A lot of them didn't perhaps uh, see the action that you would have liked to see get the, the actual in-game cricket uh, into their system and into their preparations. Uh, what about the, the Finn Allens, uh, the Tim Southies, uh, uh, the Mitchell Santners, those guys sitting on the fringes, the Glenn Phillips who have had very, very little cricket of late? What are, what are we doing about that? Yeah, well, I mean, some of those guys will go into different leagues over the over the winter as well, so... Um, there's the, the new US league that, that's starting up and we, we will have a number of players that will head there um, for many of the guys even though they've been in the IPL and perhaps not, not playing they, they've still been training on a daily basis and, and may, may still need a little bit of a I guess a mental break just to, to freshen up and 
we'll use the next couple of months as a real opportunity to, to ensure the fitness levels of our guys are right up where we want them to be. Um, so that's, that's sort of what the, the winter looks like before we, we head away. But whilst these leagues are great and, and the guys get opportunities to go, uh, it may still come a chance that we, we actually called Pakistan in, in that period and some guys might choose in the future to still be available for New Zealand. That's something I... I think with the changing landscape, we still don't quite know where that's going to land. Well, on the current uh, World Test Championship final, I imagine you're, you're spending a little bit of time studying it. Of course, um, uh, we're not due to play um, either of these two sides and, and more so in white ball cricket, which is probably uh, number one on your agenda at the moment. But of course, you've got a vested interest as the holder of this trophy. What have you made of the first two days? Uh, it's been very interesting. I thought... Um I thought Australia did very well to get through the, the initial onslaught from India. Um, I thought they were pretty pretty difficult and trying conditions uh, to bat out there, and I, and I think for them to get through that, that early stages was good. But then, obviously, Travis Head and, and Steve Smith uh, shifted the momentum. And well, yesterday morning, India sort of fought their way back into it a little bit, but um, I think the pitch looks as though it's... It's got just uh, enough in it for the bowlers to keep them interested, and in Australia have a have a world class bowling attack with the, the players they have. They're a well balanced team, so I, I sort of sense from here they're going to be hard to beat. Yeah, I, I, I kind of agree with you. And I was reading an article this morning, quite an interesting article uh, about the history of the toss and the success of teams batting first at the Oval, because it's obviously become quite a talking point that uh, Rohit Sharma won the toss and asked Australia to bat and the theory was it's much more advantageous and a lot of grounds to to look down and rather than look up when you go out to perform your strategy in other words look at the pitch service more so uh, than the weather and the overcast conditions because they can change with a breath of wind so is that something that you when you're strategizing with Kane and you 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 go in the morning the first morning of a test match and you you look at that how do you how do you work work through those variables there are definitely uh, grounds in New Zealand that I think what you're saying there rides true, Smithy, that, that, it, that they might look green, but you actually look up, and if it's a clear sky, then then maybe it's better to bat on. But traditionally, I think the wickets in New Zealand have been ones that um, you, we generally bowl on. We, we sort of feel they, they don't probably deteriorate enough that um, batting in the fourth innings becomes quite as scary a proposition as what it does in other countries that you go to. So think probably the the pitches in England are, are often the ones that are, are, are that can be the hardest to read um, they do as you say can change pretty quickly with the weather uh, overcast conditions come in and all of a sudden it starts swinging around or the lights get turned on and it becomes a little bit more bowler friendly but they are the they're the sort of the things you've got to try and plan out and look at what what the weather might be five days in advance but very difficult you still have to play what's in front of you so trying to find that right balance is i think the key right okay and just finally gary uh next next mission of course is england um and you will have your world cup squad i would imagine uh, on that trip to england with the work those white ball encounters when do you um when do you envisage uh, finalizing that publicly uh we we will be naming we we go to uae and uh england first to play some t20 matches so that will be named uh, early July, and then with the World Test Squad, uh, sorry, the Test the World, uh, the ODI Squad for the World Cup. I imagine that that will be probably the first or second week of August. Rightio, all good. Thanks, uh, thanks, Gary, for the update, and uh, 
just clearing up the contract issues. Uh, uh, wonderful to hear from you. Thank you, and uh, stay well. Travel safe. Thanks, buddy. Cheers, mate. Cheers. Uh, thank you. Yeah, Gary Stead there, uh, head coach for the Black Caps. Hope that cleared up uh, any matters um, in terms of uh, contract. It's about how they uh, look forward to using as opposed to how they just have used. Um, and uh, I think it's pretty uh, common sense uh, view, isn't it, to be perfectly honest? It's not a reward as such, it's more a projection, um, I think. 10.21 here on SENZ. The loveracing.nz update. Your home for everything thoroughbred racing. Visit loveracing.nz, racing's biggest fan. <laughs> All right, we had uh, some racing of interest um, over the last couple of days. We've got uh, Rua Kaka and Awapuni tomorrow. We've got Timaru on Sunday, and we've got the Stratty. Have we got the Stratty this weekend in Brisbane? Oh, we do. Don't we love the Stradbroke as well? One of the great handicap races. And I've uh, actually had a little look at the speed maps and uh, some of the extended form guides this morning, Smithy, to try and work a, some sort of plan out. But how's this from Craig? Oh, yeah, brighten up a Friday, Craig. If ever there was a show that the Saudis would find appealing to sponsor for a measly $1,000 a week, it would be the good oil hosted by their biggest fan, Louis Herman Watt. <laughs> well, Craig, I have, I have uh, after my spiel yesterday, you know where I stand on it, it doesn't bother me, and if they wanted to get involved, I don't know what Hutchie would do, actually. I'm not sure what sort of corporate obligations he's got to who, um, whether he'd take the Americans' money or the Saudis' money, but if anyone wants to sponsor a $1,000 a week punters club yeah that's right there is an availability Paul Clado and Sticko are flying by themselves tomorrow um, Smithy actually and I know Brian Vardy who produces the show is a little bit worried why would you be worried about two minds like that occupying three or four hours of your afternoon because all of a sudden, three or four hours of your afternoon can turn into three and four hours of uh, who can remember the most straight broke winners going back to 19 whenever they launched the race. So those guys can get stuck in rabbit holes very, very quick if there isn't someone to actually remind them that there's a race about to jump at Ruakaka. Anyway, there will be races jumping at Ruakaka. There's a couple of nice races as well. Uh, there's a three-year-old set weights and penalty race where I see they absolutely Absolutely hammered, devastate on opening. $6.50 was overs, but to be fair, his second up effort last time was just, well, it was devastating. It was really, really poor. So uh, I can understand why the bookies might have left a little meat on the bone there. There's horses like Rotorer, uh, Rid- Rudyard from the Pike Barn, who are heading up there looking for some of that better track. It's a soft five at the moment. That's why we absolutely love Ruakaka at this time of year. Uh, Fellini. Got a wide gate and a four a kilo apprentice on the back. Bello Mio for Mark Walker as well. Abandoned. Uh, mischief managed the Oaks Philly. Um, there's, yeah, so there's, there's seriously uh, a nice three-year-old crop that are going to be going around in race seven. There's also an open handicap race in race two, sort of before 1 p.m. And Not Ideal has come back from Hong Kong. Won four times up in Hong Kong, Not Ideal. The Nakoni gelding and um, Ken Harrison's been entrusted with this galloper back in New Zealand. So I don't know under 62 kgs if fresh up will be his day in race two at Ruakaka, but definitely one to watch for the next wee while. Just on the Stradbroke, I said I'd been looking at speed maps. It is a fascinating race. We're, we're talking about Eagle Farm, race number eight. It is the uh, the big feature group one over there for their Brisbane Winter Carnival. And this is a super field. Rothfire at the top of the book. J-Max sticking with Villana. You've got... 
um, Converge, who can run a big race on his day. Now, then you, you've got horses like Think About It for Joe Pride. He's only lost the one race in his career. This would be seven wins in a row. He won the last group, won the Kingsford. And then you've got the three-year-olds, which always add a really interesting dynamic. Um, as the Astern Colt Arf Cabin gets 53 kgs because he's performed in big races already. But you look at horses like Hawaii Five O, who's putting a winning streak together, 49 and a half kgs, uh, or even down the bottom of the book, Yellow Brick waiting to get in, and our Dragon Leap as well for Andrew Scott and Lance O'Sullivan waiting to get in at a monster price of $51 at the moment. I think on top for me, I'm actually going to stick with the three-year-olds. I reckon Hawaii 5.0 can get a little bit of this with 49.5 kgs, but those ones that are well-rated, Valana, Rothfire, Converge, etc., are going to be hard, hard to beat. So it's a nice race for a Group 1, and it's a good weekend for a bit of winter racing. The Bulletin. And the Bulletin this morning is with our very own uh, Daniel McCarty and, of course, uh, plenty of cricket and rugby going on to keep uh, Daniel happy. Um, good morning to you, sir. It is uh, 4.69 Australia. Um, very good day for India with the ball uh, overnight, but uh, not so good with the bat. 151 for five, mate. 318 behind in trouble. Yeah, in trouble uh, indeed. And you're right, Smithy, I, I did think they uh, fought back sort of admirably uh, on day number two, but I, I'm afraid the horse has bolted as far as winning that test match, I would have thought, um, all by what happened on the third session on day number one. What was it, 150-odd runs scored with that loss of a wicket in just 34 overs? Travis Head is never going to win a beauty contest for the way he bats, Smithy. He's quite belligerent, isn't he? He's the opposite to Kane Williamson, who waits and waits and plays it under his eyes, but... You know, Travis Head uh, really does come at you in all so- types of strokes. Really has taken this one away. Smithy, you're wiser than I. Please explain this to me. You win the toss, you bowl, and you bowl 51 overs in the first two sessions when conditions are at their best. And when you're tired and you're worn down, and then you've got to have an extended session in the third session. I just, I, I just don't understand this modern-day um, uh, issue with overrates. I, I think if India get through... With a little bit more gusto, they might have been able to make the most of those conditions. But but I think they probably also um, uh, involved them a bit of self harm with uh, you know winning the toss, deciding to have a bowl, and leaving out um, uh, Ashwin with uh, you know uh, the, the weather forecast looking quite good on day number one. So Australia got to give them all the credit in the world. Um, they've got themselves in a wonderful position. And sorry, I just don't trust Australian cricket teams to give away such a spot. No, I, I totally agree with you. At this stage, the game's been about one partnership, that between Smith and Head. Uh, it'll be interesting yep. to see if anything can be formulated. Uh, 12 wickets falling yesterday, absorbing day's play. Uh, right, let's uh, get to um, uh, the home base situation. Just talking to Gary Stead, trying to uh, get to the nitty-gritty of the contracts. Uh, nothing there for Ajaz Patel. Uh, Jameson fully supported. Adam Milne back in the mix. Any other talking points for you? No, a lot of, lot of continuity. I think just one change from 12 months ago, Smithy's so... I know there's lots of chat about, you know, the, the new era. Where are the new players coming through? Well, they're going to have to wait another year to be centrally contracted, and they're going to go have to go perform. New Zealand's been a pretty uh, consistent uh, side, um, you know, performance-wise. Um, so you can understand why they, they're thick with the large uh, swag of those. The big talking points, of course. Well, Adam Milne, um, great to see him back. He, he bowled a lot for Wellington, even playing first-class cricket, and really has become a fixture uh, of the uh, the white ball setup in, in the New Zealand uh, group over the last six months, and you just can't train or can't teach genuine pace. I do feel for Ajaz Patel. This guy really is 
you know, forming quite a bizarre career, still yet to take a test wicket at home. We're not playing uh, too many uh, test matches away from home. I, I think probably the next cycle, the next 12 months, I think off the top of my head, we've got tours to Sri Lanka and India. So he might be in the mix in 12 months' time. But, uh, you know, um, I, h- how long has he got left in the game? He's, you know, the wrong side of 30. So it'll be interesting to see what happens there. Delighted to, to hear Kyle Jamieson is on a, a path back to full health. We're just a different beast with him um, in that lineup. And, and I think um, common sense has prevailed with Trent Bolt um, on an ad hoc, you know, series by series basis. I think that guy is that, just that good. Uh, I'm less concerned about the precedent you set. I think he's a bit of uh, a unicorn in that. And that's, in the fact, compared to a lot of other New Zealanders, he's desired in every series. He's that good. Plus, they've, uh, you know, picked Jimmy Neesham in recent series to, to, to tell us you don't need to be a centrally contracted player. So, um, you know, uh, overall, uh, you'd expect New Zealand to be pretty competitive again. Rightio, uh, let's look at um, your Hurricanes going to Canberra uh, with a decent chance, you reckon? Yeah, I do. Uh, Really interesting game between these two sides earlier in the year, in Wellington, of course. Uh, The Brumbies scored a couple of belting long-range tries, which is what we don't sort of uh, naturally associate with them. The Hurricanes are still a little bit green for me as far as experience. Uh, Maybe maybe might hit their peak in a year or two, but they show what talent they do have uh, in that second half against the, uh, the Crusaders. Whether or not they could do it three weeks in a row, a row and win a title, I probably have big doubts on that. But I think Nisbo summed it up nicely in the Sky commentary uh, when he just uh, suggested who would want to play the Hurricanes in uh, a playoff game. Um, you know, with, with, with the attacking um, ability they do have with players who can make defenders miss one-on-one so I, I give them a really good shout against the side that I have a lot of admiration for tonight in the Brumbies. You OC at eight, Artie at seven. I, you could play Artie at 12 and I'd be smiling, just as long as he's in that lineup. Uh, yeah, it is an interesting one, isn't it? They've got some good young talent in that loose forward mix, but he is the guy you look to um, in these big games uh, to, do, to do the damage. And yeah, I, I don't think they lose a whole heap with him shifting. Right, oh, okay. Um, how about golf? How about the golf this week? I mean, I, I don't think the world of golf saw it coming, so um, I won't uh, expect that you did either, but what a bizarre Not situation playing, playing out now. Oh, but bizarre. Um, it's really, and I'm not trying to sit on the fence here, it's actually really hard to comment because so much water still to go under the bridge. The devil's in the detail of exactly how this new brave era of golf is going to look. But it just seems to me that uh, Saudi Arabia, through their public investment fund, which is what worth of, worth somewhere, somewhere in the region of $700 billion, have got what they wanted. And the PGA have eagle over their face after telling us, you know, for the last year or so that, you know, Saudi investment in golf was about, you know, papering over their human rights abuses. Now they're happy to lay down um, in the bed with the same group of people. Uh, hypocrisy much? Absolutely. But this is a, a particularly not transparent organisation, um, uh, the Public Investment Fund in Saudi Arabia. That's pretty well known in, in business circles. And now um, with, with this agreement, uh, all civil cases, all uh, litigious action has been uh, benched. And I'm sure Mohammed bin Salman, the Crown Prince of Saudi Arabia, is utterly delighted. He won't need to be disposed. Uh, deposed. So, yeah, it's, uh, it's, 
I must admit, I, I'm just not comfortable with nation states buying sporting teams or sporting organisations. Um, probably, uh, we, we've seen it in English football, haven't we? Um, Newcastle, same group of people. Um, uh, you, you've, you've seen uh, the, the powerhouse that Manchester City has come become with uh, the Abu Dhabi group uh, running that um, organisation. Yeah, I know Silver Lake own a part, and I know a, a Chinese investment fund a national investment fund, also a minority shareholder. But, uh, you know, I, I like even competition, and I think with these nation states with their bottomless pits of cash, um, uh, don't make for even uh, playing fields. Uh, golf's a kind of separate issue, isn't it? Because it is, uh, you know, running running the sport. But it's just hard for me to get my head around. The conservative American PGA Tour is uh, now uh, a partner with the Saudi Arabian government. Um, if you told me that 20 years ago, um, I, I think we would have been laughed out of the room. Uh, just finally, you on deck over the weekend? Yeah, tomorrow. Tomorrow. Provided I can actually find a park in Wellington at the moment, Smithy. I'm 25 minutes into this saga of trying to find uh, a park so I can buy my wife a birthday present. If I don't do this, I don't think I'll ever be back on deck again. What are you? What are you looking to buy her? I mean, you know, she won't be listening at the moment. What are you? What, what are you kind of shopping for? She's a big fan of yours. She'll probably be listening right now. She's given me. Uh, she's given me some advice. You, you generally yes. know what it's like when better half gives you advice. Generally, you should follow that advice. But I'm a bit of a stubborn jerk. I'll, I'll probably probably try and find something myself, and it will fall flat. And uh, then I'll have to go out the next day and get what she originally wanted. But it's the stress. I, I'm sweating profusely here just trying to find a park. It's outrageous. <laughs> we'll leave you to it. We'll leave you to it. Good luck. Good luck. Uh, and we'll listen to you tomorrow morning uh, on your regular slot. <laughs> Daniel McCarty, birthday present issues for the, the, the better half. I think in this case, that would be absolutely true. Right, 10.57 here on SENZ. Uh, Pip Morris joins us uh, on behalf of the TAB. And, uh, Pip, before I ask you uh, about uh, any prospective investment possibilities today, when it comes to birthday presents, do you prefer to be surprised by your partner or do you prefer to put the order in? Good morning to me. I think I like to be surprised, to be honest. I like to see what he can come up with on his own. Okay, fair enough. I like that. In terms of what coming up with things, um, what do you uh, have in store in terms of uh, options over the weekend? Because they are a plenty. Oh, there's so much going on, isn't there? Well, the Super Rugby Finals, I can tell you, the Blues well-backed head-to-head over the Waratahs. Best backed as far as the winning team in margin goes. Blues 1-12 to and 13 are actually really even there, Smithy. On the Chiefs game, they are holding 81% of the turnover head-to-head. Best back power players, Chiefs to win both individual halves at $1.50. Brumbies and Hurricanes hit the head bidding even there with the winning team in margin. Hurricanes 1 to 12, though, just edging forward is the most popular. Uh, as far as the NRL goes, $1,000 on the Raiders. So we've got some Raiders fans, 1 to 12 at 275. 1000 on boosted odds for Sean Johnson, anytime try scorer at $5. And 70% of the head to head turnover is on the Warriors. And the best back power play, Sean Johnson, scores 14 or more points at $10. And don't forget about the same game, multi. You can play a same game multi, three legs or more, miss by one leg, Smithy, and we'll give you a bonus bet up to $50. With the TAB, and quickly, with the basketball, 
uh, head-to-head Denver, 72% of the head-to-head turnover. Not much yet happening as far as the power plays go, though. Uh, good on you, Pip. Uh, you have a fine old weekend. I know you'll be busy on uh, trackside, etc. So uh, go well, and uh, thanks very much for your contributions uh, again this week. Brand are experts in agriculture, covering your equipment, parts and service needs to help you succeed in your field. From behind the stumps to behind the mic, nothing gets past Smithy. This is Mornings with Ian Smith on SENZ. Tennis now, and it wasn't to be overnight for Michael Venus and his Canadian partner Bianca Andrescu in the mixed doubles final at Roland Garros, uh, going down to Tim Pertz and uh, Maya Kartu. Uh, 4-6-6-4, 10-6. A great effort, though, by uh, Michael Venus. Again, all things considered, though, he is still showing he is one of the premier doubles players on the circuit, be it uh, men's doubles or mixed doubles. Uh, The men's semi-finals are tonight with one of the most anticipated head-to-head clashes in recent times with uh, Novak Djokovic taking on Carlos uh, Alcaraz-Garfia on the menu. Uh, And also, um, it is uh, interesting to... To note that Casper uh, Ruud will be taking on Zeref, uh, the German, as well. So very interesting tonight. Right, uh, when we come to tennis in this country, love talking to David Mustard about the whole deal. Of course, a former Davis Cup player and ATP pro himself. David, uh, good morning to you. Ian, how are you? I'm uh, looking forward to some some big matches coming up on the clay. And it's, Ian, it's quite funny because um, I think Daniel Medvedev was quite a classic, uh, the Russian player, when he said that um, every bounce is a bad bounce and even what is a good bounce, you're expecting a bad bounce when he was talking about clay, which I thought was a, was a classic for him going out first round of the clay courts. But... Yeah, anyway, look, uh, you, know, you know, I just found that quote quite extraordinary from Medvedev, who I find quite funny, to be honest. Yeah, well, he is. Uh, you you kind of look at him and you think he's a fairly drab sort of human and, uh, you know, not a, exactly what tennis needs in terms of uh, being up and about and out there. But um, clearly, uh, as you say, he's got uh, quite a wicked sense of humour in that regard. Um, but just uh, before we get on to tonight, uh, David, pretty good effort from Michael Venus and Bianca Andreescu uh, in the mixed doubles, and uh, he's had a terrific doubles career over the years, Michael. Yeah, I mean, Michael's won the French Open in doubles before. Um, he's always played the mixed at all the slams as well. Um, you know, and a lot of the reason why that happens with the with the men's doubles, which is you know he's been top ten in the world in doubles and made the Masters and what have you. Um, he's always just been a very solid doubles, mixed doubles player. And and remember, they're playing mixed now a lot more because uh, there's more financial gain to do that. So uh, to, to give you an idea in on that, it's interesting. The the um, the winning pair um, split 122,000 euro to win that event. So it's very worthwhile playing in the mixed event now. And I think uh, I think Michael um, Andrescu would have walked away with maybe about 30,000 euro each for for their efforts. Uh, for the couple of weeks. So, you know, it's great. And, and Michael said himself they had their chances in the second set. They had their chances. Um, but, he, you know, he, 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 you know, they all know each other so well um, on the doubles course and have so much respect. And he said, look, we had our chances, but we just didn't quite get there. 10-6 in the breaker in the, in the third set. So unfortunate, um, but great effort. Yeah, and very interesting too, because he, he played a lot of doubles with Tim Pertz from memory. Uh, men's doubles, of course, and uh, Maya, Maya Kato, uh, the Japanese player, she was the one that was, um, I think, uh, controversially, her and her partner eliminated um, from the uh, women's doubles because she hit a, a ball girl with a tennis ball. Is that right? 
Yeah, look, it's a hard one because the ruling there was about, you know, it's supposed to be that if you do it in malice or anger, there's there's a whole lot of wording in there in the in the rules for the WTA and ATP and ITF, which which handle all the uh, the uh, ATP events or the or the Grand Slams. But in the ruling, um, it's about malice. Well, well, it wasn't malice at all, really. And and to be honest with you, um, I think they've come out. It may not have been exactly put out there. But I know from someone who, who kind of knew the umpire, blah, 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 whatever, saying that, yes, she hit someone in the neck. They believe that the umpire made the wrong decision on that particular circumstance. Unfortunately, Kato lost all her, um, lost about 21,000 euro and also her points under the ruling. But I think they may reinstate that, but obviously they can't play the match again because uh, it was ended there and then. So she was under quite emotional stress. So this was doubly big for her to, to take out this particular title, the 28-year-old, in the mix. Yeah, very stressful time for her, I'm sure, because, of course, his partners are involved as, as well. Now, let's get to tonight, shall we, because uh, this is a, a fascinating dual list. We're doing a 20-year-old, Carlos Alcaraz Garcia, already... Ten titles to his name at the age of 20, David. Uh, career record of 125 and 34, which is a 78% strike rate. 14.2 million in the bin. Um, up against the man, Novak Djokovic. How do you, how do you see this going? Well, another one of the, the statements that came out. Carlos uh, Alcaraz, the next big thing in tennis. And then they got Djokovic, the current big thing in tennis. Djokovic, 22 slams. This is his 45th Grand Slam semi-final. He has all the experience in the world. But just coming into the season, it's 25-4 and four on his win-loss record, whereas Alcaraz, 35-3. What that basically means is consistency-wise, Alcaraz is there. He won Barcelona Madrid leading in um, under a bit of an injury cloud when he played in Rome or what have you. Um, you know, but, but let's face it, Alcaraz has lost one set in the tournament. He's lost, and uh, Djokovic is two sets. And when you analyse all this... You, you, you're looking at what they're coming in with, and on on paper, um, pretty much Alcaraz is actually the favourite. Um, Djokovic, though, the longer it goes, you've got to play into a little bit into Djokovic's hand. You know, they're both incredibly fit athletes. Alcaraz can run forever as well, but he tends to maybe not be quite as accurate under pressure, um, and he's going to have to really rely on that. Djokovic could. Look, to be honest, I want Alcaraz to win. I just have, I just feel that he's got all the goods, um, incredible maturity at the age of 20. Um, but Djokovic, you know, it's tough, and he's going for his 23rd slam. I mean, this is huge, and he's 36 years old compared to, compared to a 20-year-old. Ian, it's, mm. um, it's a hard one. My gut feeling feels like Alcaraz should win. But I don't know. I don't know. Djokovic, when he's when he's hungry, um, he's always in the past come up with the goods in the semi final. You know, so it's it's an interesting one, and I know the predictors are in Alcaraz's favour. It's almost uh, the curtain raiser before the main event because uh, you look at Kasparu, the number four seed, and uh, Alexander Zarev, who's the twenty second seed. What do you make of this one? I mean, uh, I, I watched Kasparu um, against Holger Rune. I thought that was a fascinating match. The young kid tried everything, but he was just too steady, Rude. Yeah, Rune, Rune himself in the interview uh, afterwards, or the you know 
post-match said that he, he really wasn't striking. When you look at the stats, he didn't play great. But I think it's really important when you look at these two players, you know, the history coming in. And then, of course, you know, you're there and then. It's, it's now. You can't go back. You can't go forward. You're playing in the moment. But if you look at the stats, uh, Rude really didn't have a good, you know, first part of the season. Um, and then now has just hit his straps. And, and Zeverev, you know, last year, he obviously, well, he, a lot of people don't know, he had the injury to his ankle when he was playing Nadal. So he had to, he had to do a whole lot of, you know, recouping of, of injury bases. So it's taken him a while to get back to where he is now in the semis. These, these two have played, you know, about three times before Rude won their last one, but that was in 2022 on a hard court. So, but on paper, um, again, if you look at it, Kasparud is very, very good at um, you know defence. Zverev is a very offensive player. Um, they can match each other. Um, I just, I just feel that it's in Rude's favour. Um, and the predictors again are sort of even on this. That you know that they're saying that Zverev five sets, uh, Rude and four sets. Um, I personally think, on paper, it should be Rude. Uh, who's coming in um, probably in a little bit better form than Zeverev at this particular time. But it will be interesting in, in, the, in the styles and how they cope with each other. Right, let's uh, look at uh, the women's side of it if we can. Uh, David, please. Uh, Inga Swiantek uh, looks absolutely um, unbeatable, but uh, but is she? That's that's the thing. Um, she uh, is up against Beatrice uh, Haddad. Uh, um, in fact, uh, she she beat uh, Beatrice Haddad Meyer six two seven six, and of course uh, Carolina Mashova overnight being beating the second seed Sabalenka, which was a surprise. Uh, that in three sets. Swantek, uh, tell us about this uh, phenom that's uh, coming through the women's side of things. Yeah, again, it's a really interesting one, but. You, know, you can't you can't get by that uh, Swinpec. You know, 22 years of age. She's won the French Open. You know, twice in 2020, 2020. She beat golf in the 2022 final. You know, she's won the US Open. Uh, she's been the form player for a number of years coming in. Um, she's pretty much been pretty dominant, uh, pretty much to this to the to the final. Um, but it's interesting. Then she had an injury. She had an injury. She's from the Czech Republic. She had an injury last year. Again, she was told not to play for some time. It actually happened in the French Open as well. So she was out. But what's interesting is she has a very good record for Shova, and she has a, a, an all-court game with a lot of variety, which can really, you know, stump a lot of opponents. As Sablinka, um, who she beat in the semis. Said and she said it's hard to get a rhythm against her. Um, and remember, Sablinka at uh, match points and Mashova uh, came back and won that. You know, like seven six in the third. Oh, sorry, seven five in the third. So, but when you look at the matchup, these two, they're both similar. They can both have a lot of variety. But Schwantek is just it's the ball a little bit earlier. Um, it's had more um, experience in this particular side of things in the finals. Um, it's. I feel that, you know, it's, it's amazing that Mishova, um, oh, so I love these pronunciations, don't you, Ian? Mm-hmm. You know, getting there, she's 26 <laughs> years of age. She's got a shot, and she, they did, they have played before, but that was in 2019, and the Czech actually won that particular encounter, but that was a long time ago. She's now 26, Shontek is 22, as I mentioned. I just mm. think it's going to be quite an enthralling match. Um, I just think Shontek will just have a little bit too much experience. 
looking outside those players that have uh, managed to make it injury free, um, we we've got to now start looking and asking questions about uh, the futures now of uh, Nadal, of Andy Murray, etc. Uh, Djokovic looks like he's, his legs are going to hold out for a little bit longer, but. Are we seeing the last of these guys, or possibly have we? I mean, we've asked this question for a while, I guess, but I think reality's kicking in, isn't it? Yeah, I mean, Nadal, what, he's just turned 37. He just had his birthday, was it yesterday or, or just mm. late, just lately? Um, I don't know. I really, you know, he's done it a number of times. I don't know how he can come back and play to the level that will be, you know, sufficient for him. It'll be more about how he wants to go out now, I think. Um, I just I just don't know if he can come back. Um, and also, you know, what's really cool about the circuit is all these all these players are actually getting better, and they're having self belief at a lot younger age. Um, so it's going to be very very tough. Um, but again, I I don't, know, I don't know what how he feels. But you you know, as you all the press talk about Nadal, um, you know, they're saying that he really needs to to feel like he, he really wants to be there. He can compete physically, otherwise he won't come back. Um, I, just, I just don't see it this time. You know, I just don't see how he's going to do that. Um, I hope he does. There's a lot of people that miss him on the circuit, as they obviously miss, have missed Federer. Um, Djokovic, quite incredible. Djokovic, you know, he could play for another year or two years. Um, you know, there's no stopping him, really. But um, I don't know, Ian, what you think about it. I just think it's yeah. it's really going to be how their heart feels. But, you know, age does catch up with you, really, doesn't it? But it doesn't catch up with it us. Does. It does. Really. We're fit no, athletes. Uh, we go. Uh, I, I notice you and I are on the north. We're, both of us are feeling truly on the north side of 60, David. Uh, for me, that seems... Uh, <laughs> for me, uh, about me, I'm not surprised. But about you, um, I, I, I didn't realise. What are you doing these days, anyway, with yourself? Oh, look, I'm, uh, I'm uh, the head pro at the Bay Rackets Club um, in Hernandez, and, and it's, uh, yeah, I just, I do a lot of hours on court coaching still, coaching juniors to, to seniors, um, do a lot of different type of sessions and um, development stuff. Um, yeah, I, uh, I, I thoroughly enjoy it and running little events and things like that. So, yeah, no, I'm, I'm always busy coaching, always out there doing my hours, which in, I, pretty, I guess I'll be doing it until, you know, until maybe I see the perfect forehand being struck and that's it. And I just fall down and go, that was it. Um, that's me. Game, set, and match. <laughs> but it's, um, you know, I enjoy yeah. I, I enjoy, I enjoy it. It's, it's something I've been doing a long, long time. And, yeah, and I like to follow tennis. And I also, um, yeah, it's really interesting. I just find it really interesting um, how the games are all developing in, in all sports, really, and, and what's happening. But it, uh, what amazes me is now the training methods, how specific all the training is for all the athletes, you know, and you can see that all on YouTube and what have you. It's, it's quite phenomenal um, how the athletes are trained now, and that's such a big difference because, uh, you know, it's just, it's just more competitive, you know. Anyway, I'm can digressing you, can, in. Can Look, you, great game. No, you, no, well. no, you're not, because my next question is this, and you're very much responsible for part of this. Uh, have we an Alcaraz or someone on the horizon? Is there a name or a number of uh, youngsters you're seeing which at least can make uh, tournament play at uh, WTA or ATP? Look, um, Ian, honestly, I don't, I don't deal with that side so much I do it at club level and then those kids will go to, to other programs where there's more depth in the programs um, I 
I, I know, and this is the honest truth, I know we've, we've had players along the way over the last you know, number of years that actually have the ability, uh, technically and athletically, to be able to compete. But they have to have the belief and they have to go away and be around the competitive and, and successful people to even have a shot, let alone mm. financially. And that's, I think there, there's always been players in New Zealand, you know, at younger age bracket levels, but when they've gone out um, to be around the other big players and ITF junior events and what have you, um, sometimes haven't had the self-belief and the honesty in saying, right, can I come up to the level that I'm around? That's the only way you understand it. That's why tournament play is very important. They need to do that in New Zealand to get more international players playing. There's a whole thing we can go into. But I believe there are players that could do well, but it's just hard because they're not around it all the time and the self-belief. It's, uh, you know, it's hard to explain that. It's, it's, you know, sometimes we do have the time. If there's only you and there's, there's not a lot around you that are pushing you, um, and being realistic, um, you, you have no chance because you have to feel like you belong in it. I think you know what I mean. You know? Yeah, I do. I do, David. But I was very much in a team environment. Yours is very much um, an individual drive that you're looking for um, on a daily basis, and that is a unique quality in any young person. Yes, it is. But it's what's interesting. Also, you, you, it is an individual sport. Obviously, doubles is you know you got your teammate and stuff like that, which is great, which gives you long longevity. For a um, big word for me, um, you know, to be able to to play longer in your career with singles and doubles is great. But you know, you, there is kind of a team effect that you're with other players and somewhere where you train together. And you know, as you make do better. The catch twenty two situation, you tend to be able to afford to have more support, um, mm. and I, I just, I just think there is a team of things around it. But you got to feel like you belong when you get into different levels of the sport, and that's something that sometimes Kiwis have actually um, struggled with. Um, but yeah, I, look, it's, it's a hardy, and it's it's frustrating because it's kind of kind of straightforward what you have to do. But you have to get in and be realistic and, and do the work. But around people that are positive and the energy and, and then you are realistic that you can go with. Yeah, I'm getting a little bit deep there. But that's pretty much how it is, you know. And I always find that if, if someone doesn't have the money, if they, if they play and they really want it, the money kind of does come in, does kind of appear somehow. I don't know. That sounds a bit pie-in-the-sky stuff, but... It does if you're showing you're working hard and you know and you get you're out there trying it if you understand what I mean. David Mustard, I do understand what you mean uh, fully, and um, I, uh, I I really appreciate your time this morning, David, um, with your um, your review of what's happened with uh, the French Open and what's about to unfold over the weekend. Uh, enjoy watching, uh, and again, uh, have a terrific weekend. Thanks so much for your input. Great sport. Take it easy. Yeah. Cheers, uh, David Mustard there, folks. Um, real identity of uh, New Zealand tennis, doing great things there by the sound of it. At the Hearn Bay Rackets Club, it's nine, uh, sorry, it's not nine, it's 11.22, thank goodness. Uh, we're going to uh, take a break. When we come back, uh, we'll visit the Polaris Sports Desk with Louis Herman Watt. 
And there's a bloke by the name of Feagles. I reckon Feagles, Michael Feagles, shot 59 in tournament golf this morning. <laughs> 59. Turn up the volume. We're crossing live to the sports desk. What's fresh? What's making waves? Let's find out. Yes, courtesy of Polaris. Of course, the specials are on now as well. We'll get up to $2,500 free, uh, free accessories on the Polaris Rangers. Many more specials as well. Um, and, of course, uh, field days just around the corner for Polaris as well at Mystery Creek. Uh, Louis Herman Watt in the chair this morning. Yeah, Smithy, you mentioned the name Michael Feagles, not to be confused with Michael Beagles, and I checked his stats overnight in the Corn Ferry Tour, first round at the BMW Charity Pro Pro Charity Pro Am presented by T D Cynics. That's a mouthful. He's shot fifty nine. He's posted the rear five for Wow. Um, so there was a 61 in there as well, so the course probably playing pretty easy, but breaking that 60 barrier is, uh, is so rare. So rare that the, the five comes first, isn't it? It's, there's a 62, there's a 61, there's a 62, there's a 64, there's a ton of 64s and a 63. But regardless, a 59, Michael Fiegels, what an effort. Hey, talked a lot about test cricket um, and cricket scheduling, oh man, this is a meaty topic that we could do hours on, really. And, hey, you know one of the most interesting jurisdictions, South Africa, what the IPL has done heading into South Africa and what their summers look like for the foreseeable future. I just thought I'd get up uh, what the Black Caps have on their agenda over the next wee while, and I thought I'd rattle through some of the points of interest. So we both basically know the rest of this year, and we get to the World Cup. After the World Cup, we have Bangladesh here in New Zealand, then we have South Africa here in New Zealand in about February for a couple of tests, backed up by Australia, so that'll be a really exciting period through February, March next year. Still only two test series, which is a bit disappointing. Uh, we've got a one test tour of Afghanistan. We go to Sri Lanka for a couple of tests. We go to India for three tests. Um, we have some ODIs and T20s in Sri Lanka. This is now in 20, the end of next year, 2024. Uh, England tour here again, as they love to do in the end, the end of next year for some test matches as well. Uh, we've got Pakistan later down the track with a, a tri-series. We even have Zimbabwe featuring in July 2025 for some T20s and a couple of tests. Would have been a while since we toured Zimbabwe, wouldn't it? A long time. A long, long time since we've been to Zimbabwe. Uh, we are going, of course, as you say, to the UAE, which is a very interesting move. Don't quite know the ramifications of how that came about because that is a, a real change in direction. Um, so, um, again, UAE, <laughs> it's that part of the world. Um, right, let's, anything else or shall we move on with the stump smithy? No, look, I just think that's a really interesting point. You just gently floated out this smithy about why we ever end up in, in that part of the world. Oh, one last one. Uh, we'll, we'll give it a plug because it was – maybe it's something we'll tackle next week. But the Herald has a – a big piece via Gregor Paul around the future of the rugby calendar. And I won't spoil all of his hard work, but essentially the super rugby calendar and the super rugby place in the calendar is up for 
football negotiation because the rugby championship and where South Africa wants to be playing their test rugby, I think is a lot earlier in the year than where New Zealand rugby thinks it should be. So that is drastic and that is major news that we can't get into in 30 seconds. That's just a wee tease for maybe next week where we dig a bit deeper there, Smithy. Ian Smith's had a good match here. Stumped by Smithy. Ian Smith really is top class at his job. Rightio, here we go. $100 up for grabs and uh, down there in Christchurch, uh, Louis Herman Watt, uh, to, time for you to take over as a quiz master this morning. And uh, who have we got lined up first? We've got Barry in one of my favourite parts of the world, Pukakoi. Uh Barry, good morning to you. How's your Friday tracking? Yeah, not too bad, Louie. How are you? I'm oh, good, chap. Thank you. And Smithy's in a, a feral mood, Barry. So don't, don't, just don't even ask him because he's just so he's so determined to stop you winning this quiz. He just wants to hold hundred fifty dollars through to Monday, and he's not. Well, you should see the look on his face. Anyway, we we've got three topics for you, Barry. You've got baseball, rugby league, or golf. What would you like? Oh, heck. Um... I'll go baseball. Good on you, Barry. Let's get into it. The Australian Baseball League will sadly no longer feature the Auckland Tuatara. What year did the Tuatara debut in the ABL? Um, let me think. What are we now? 23... I would say 2018. Just a couple of chips down the wicket, right in the slot, and away it goes. Oh, ho, 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 ho. ah, Barry, you, you're too good, and you you should just. You thought Smithy was angry before. You have got him going here. Blood, blood is boiling. Right, I know. Yeah. Barry, you don't know you, Barry from Pukekoi. In all honesty, <laughs> how closely how closely do you follow baseball? In all honesty, come on. <laughs> I'm an ex softballer, Smithy. Ah, oh, right. Okay. Right. I'll tell you now, what, Smithy, I, played, yes. I played in a national tournament in Wellington, and they yep. had when Kevin Hurley he was in his heyday, and they had Jeremy Coney, and I think it might have been Bruce Edgar. Trying to hit a ball, and before they hit one, Kevin Hurler he was pitching from second base. Really? Okay. Well, they, they're both basically straight wicket, straight down the ground players. That's why you need as a slogger. You need a you need it as a cross bat <laughs> slogger to have a crack. Hey, would well, that, that, that would have been the would yeah would that have been the BD Cup back then for softball? Yeah. No, it was, uh, oh, dare I say it on the radio, it would have been the Rothmans Men's National. Rothmans Men's Nationals, okay, <laughs> right. I might be dating myself with the BD Cup, to be perfectly honest. Uh, the Rothmans Men's Nationals. Right, okay, now the picture gets a little bit clearer, Barry. Question two, please. What team is currently last overall on the MLB table, 31 and a half games behind the league-leading Tampa Bay Rays? Oh, I'm not sure, but my team are absolutely rubbish, so I'll say the Oakland Athletic. 
Just a couple of chips down the wicket. Oh, I'm not. Right, this on. On. And the way it goes. This might be a G up. <laughs> this is too good. <laughs> I don't believe this. That, I do not believe this. Honestly, honestly, guys. Hey, Smithy, remember one time I played you, and and the last question to beat you, believe it or not, this is a G up. Was who was who bowled? In Smith in his first ever test match. Who bowled me? Oh, yeah, okay, that's right. That was, uh, what was that, Lily or someone like that? Thompson or Lily or Lawson or someone nah. of that nature? Yeah, and that was any, the question anyone, for me to win. Yeah, and he, and he got it wrong. <laughs> and guess who got it right? I don't know. I don't know. Let's, let's, let's have... That is what you call a G-up. All right. Okay. Settle, settle down. Right, yeah. settle, settle. Come on, Barry. You've got, I don't know if you're cheering him up or you're making him matter, Barry. You've got one chance just to, to, to finish it off so we don't have to find out. Which MLB division are the Toronto Blue Jays a part of? Oh, what a famous division. Oh. That'd be the East? Eastern? Y- y- the, 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 the what East? Oh. Remember there's two two leagues? Yeah, Western East, isn't there? Um, Major League... Oh, I don't know, it's not Northeastern, is it? Or Major League... Oh... Yeah, no. Oh, we, we can't give it to you. We can't give it to you, Barry. <laughs> Where's Bino? Where is One he? of the Bring worst it. things Thank you. I have ever seen done on a cricket field. Oh, what, no. what, you are, what you are searching for here, Barry, is the National League or the American League? The National League or oh, the American okay. League? Okay, East, National yeah. League East or American League East? Now then, I don't know. So this is a 50% go, a 50% chance <laughs> of... of, of you getting a hundred or me getting? Uh, I'm going to go the National League East. The National League East. One of the worst things no! I've ever seen no! done on a cricket field. <laughs> <laughs> oh Jesus! I don't believe it. I don't believe it. Justice. Hey, Smithy, I'm having a game of golf on Sunday with a uh, one Mr. Blair Feeney. Oh, now there's there's a very talented sportsman, very very talented sportsman, Blair Feeney. Yeah, he was a very good Ask cricketer him. too. I remember. Yeah. Yeah. Ask him if he's got uh, he's in line for the head head coach of the Blues. <laughs> he's coaching the Pukekohe High School second fifteen at the moment, so that's that's the that's the first step. That's probably the best preparation he can have to coach the Blues, to be perfectly honest. Rightio, Barry from Pukakoi, you are the winner of 100 bucks. Uh, we will get that sorted for you. Just stay on the line. Logan might have a quick chat to you just to confirm that we've got your details, Barry. Uh, an epic performance, an epic performance. Uh, and uh, congratulations. Congratulations. Wager well. Wager well and have a terrific weekend. Play well on uh, Sunday as well, man. Cheers. Thanks for your time. Thanks, mate. Thanks, mate. Well, that was fun, wasn't it? One chance. One chance. American League or National League. I took the 
Rinkin' Wrong League. Brand are experts in agriculture, covering your equipment, parts and service needs to help you succeed in your field. Summer or winter, he's the voice of sport in Aotearoa. This is Mornings with Ian Smith on SENZ. 11.46, let's uh, get to uh, our expert on the harness racing uh, side of things uh, as we tend to do on a Friday at this time and welcome in uh, Michael Guerin. Um, Mick, also uh, very interesting news on uh, board placements uh, and some changes um, there uh, in terms of some very important positions. Yeah, morning, Smithy. Big hi to you and all your listeners. Um, yeah, Harness Racing New Zealand have a board, like most major organisations, who, who make the strategic decisions for the code. They had a, a bit of a mini-coup and a shuffle round on, on Wednesday. They, um, a couple of the clubs weren't happy with who were the chair and the vice-chair of the board, so they had them replaced. But bizarrely, there's only eight people on the board, and the chair and the vice-chair have just slid in back to being on the board. So the same eight people, more or less, <laughs> are running the industry, Smithy. Uh, I thought about writing about it for the Herald, and I thought, mm, does anybody in the world care about this apart from harness racing people? And I don't think they do, and it's the same bunch of people. So I'm not really sure what it was all about, but one thing I found with racing, Smithy, is unless it affects the punters or directly affects the income stream back to the participants, it's really inside baseball. It's a little bit like if you said to most people listening to this in a, in a huge rugby country like ours, who's on the board of the New Zealand Rugby Union? <laughs> no one knows. <laughs> and to a degree, I don't think they care. So it was one of those interesting things for about three hours, and then I thought, nah, none of my readers care about this, so I'm not even going to bother writing about it. <laughs> Fascinating. Okay, right. Uh, just a, a shift of the deck chairs on the deck. Uh, right, let's look at... Uh, Invercargill and Addington tonight in terms of harness racing uh, Addington again on Sunday and of course you'll have a busy weekend on SCNZ with uh, Louis Herman Watt who's listening in Well look I tell you what he's actually abandoned me to most buddy it's really hard to find like good teammates and he's he's in that one of those weird gens either Gen X or Gen Z one of them I'm not sure which one it is but basically he's abandoned me so tomorrow morning well we've got Rubikaka on and Nawapuni He's nowhere to be seen. So I'll be hosting the mail run. But look, on the bright side, I'll have plenty of guests so people don't have to listen to me all day. Um, in the cargo harnesses on as we speak. They're actually behind the mobile for the first race on the card. And Smithy, it's about five degrees. <laughs> so this is when we find out people <laughs> who really love the harness racing because... It's bloody cold everywhere in the country. And Invercargill's racing today, and then it dovetails into Addington tonight. So pretty much now, between now and about 10 o'clock tonight, there'll be a harness race every half an hour. But they're not the best horses. The best horses tend to go for a bit of a break. No racing in the north, because Alexander Park raced last night. Out of all of that, the horse I like the most, and the one horse I'm having to bet on today, and it's over the odds is actually in the last race. So it's 20 races away. So it's about 10 hours from now. Horse called Beach Flyby. It's in the last race at Addington. Pretty nice horse. Won its first race in the north. It's gone down south. Good trials horse. Stable was in form. The Telfer Cullen Stable. They had a trifecta last night at Alexandra Park. And Smitty, if I had one bet tonight or today on harness racing, it's 28 I think it'll start about 1.9. So always bet responsibly. Don't go putting your rent money on horses because that's silly. I've done that before when I was younger. It didn't work out very well. 
the beach flyby in the last on the card. Uh, it'll be the bet today, Smithy. Is harness racing going to one of those phases where still lots of racing on, but the good horses are away, and because of that, what you don't want to be doing is horses who are getting too far back in the field. When horses of mediocre quality race each other, very really do the ones back in the field win because they're not all that ambitious. So what you want to try and do is find horses who are going to be on the speed or if they're off handicaps and trotting races, are clearly dominant. We saw it last night at Alexandra Park. Most of the horses who won were in front because once you drop the level of competition, the horses don't have, shall we say, the tactical speed or the courage to come from too far back in the field.